Over 50,000 moths and butterflies have been donated to the Tuhura Otago Museum, making it one of the biggest publicly housed collections in the country. Now, joining us from Dunedin to tell us about its significance to science is the museum's curator of natural science, Emma Burns. Emma, good evening to you. Kia ora. How's it going, Todd? Very well, thank you. So tell us about the collection, please, Emma. Well, it's an amazing lifetime collection um, built by a, um, an entomologist named Brian Patrick who's been absolutely um, passionate about butterflies since he was seven years old um, out in the, growing up in Invercargill uh, collecting moths and butterflies and studying them um, from a young age right through now he's at, um, reaching retirement, uh, 65. He still has a lot of energies out there doing field work at the moment um, looking for different species and, the, and whether their occurrences are changing on uh, still occur in those types of high mountain habitats or um, remote parts of the country. So it's um, an amazing, amazing collection. Are there some from overseas as well? I believe not all New Zealand butterflies and moths. Yeah, so during Brian's, um, Brian's career, he's actually become quite an authority on Pacific butterflies as well. So he's done a, um, a book on the different butterflies that exist around Samoa and Fiji and all the other islands there as well. So part of the collection that has been donated to the required to the museum has um, the material that backs up the book that he's published on the butterflies of the South Pacific. So why does the collection have so many more moths than butterflies? Well, amazingly, New Zealand has a very strange wildlife where 98% of our Lepidoptera, which is, you know, your, car- your classic butterfly where you've got... Uh, an egg that develops into a caterpillar which gradually gets larger through various molts and then into a pupa and then into the adult butterfly which is basically designed to find another butterfly and and mate. That's a whole family called Lepidoptera and in New Zealand um, 98% of our Lepidoptera are moths and only about 17 are actually butterflies and that's quite strange because compared to the other parts of the world there's a, a much larger percentage of butterflies. So New Zealand is quite strange in that way. So most of our our action with our lepidoptera is happening at night. I mean, a lot of countries like America, Americans, for example, are really into butterfly collecting, so maybe that's why it didn't take off here. Yeah, potentially, yeah. But, I mean, there's, there's so much we don't know about New Zealand lepidoptera because they occur at night as well, so we're not quite sure fully what um, plants they're pollinating um, where they fit into the ecosystem in terms of what um, what other animals prey on them. So they're, they're an absolute um, key uh, source of information that's going to come out of this, um, this collection now and into the future is, um, is quite exciting. So are moths underrated compared to butterflies? Oh, totally, yes. I think um, people like to, are attracted to the butterflies because of, uh, of often their colour, um, and moths tend to be a little bit more subtle. Um, and I was talking to some people recently about I've got a four-year-old daughter and she's um, she's just at that stage where she's not quite sure about um, insects and we kind of talk about them a wee bit, describing moths as kind of a bit more like teddy bears and butterflies are a bit more like barbies, you know, they wear bright colours, they're not so fluffy, not so nice to cuddle, but moths are sort of, you know, brown, um, duller colours. But we actually in New Zealand we have some amazing coloured um, moths as well. We have the pudity moth, which is New Zealand's largest moth, bright, beautiful green. Um, and then there's others that have flashes of pink and yellows and um, and even uh, even little bits of um, orange as well. So it, it takes when you when you look at a collection like Brian's um, closely, you start to see those amazing um, differences in the details um, and the subtle um, beauty of all those different types of uh, all the different species. When you say big, how big are you talking? Like a a hand, like a, an arm? Uh, the pudity. Um, mm. It's about the size of a few. Um, 
you spread your thumb to your finger, about you know about that sort of that length, probably about uh, ten to twelve centimetres. Blimey! And there's evidence yeah. also that moths are pollinators. Yes, there is, and it's taken a while in New Zealand to us to, for us to sort of finally confirm that with a paper that was out just a couple of years ago, which is um, going to be highly cited, I think now. Um, but just working out which species um, of plant moths pollinate. Um, is going to be is the next big sort of step of trying to work out um, what role they play in our forest ecosystem. So that you know, while we're doing all these um, these projects around planting and, and regenerating the native forest in New Zealand, it's going to be really important to understand what um, what moths and butterflies need to exist in those habits habitats to make them healthy. Right from the because many of the moths and butterflies have very specific host plants which they need to lay their um, the the eggs on in order for those um, those caterpillars to, to feed and once they um, once they hatch and so that's one one part of the the life cycle and then once they're adults many of the adults don't some of them are born, whole family is born without mouth parts um, which are some of our largest moths in in, um, in New Zealand but um, what role some of those smaller species the the micro moths and things what are they pollinating like some of them are very rare alpine plants, um, you know, mosses and lichens, all sorts of um, other things that they play a role in. And they produce silk as well. Yes, they do produce silk. Sorry, the most um, famous um, use of moths, um, not, so, not so much in New Zealand, um, but uh, the silk moths uh, that produce a silk cocoon um, over in Asia where um, they can be um, basically used to make fabric as well. So that's been a very um, long association between humans and moths over time. So where would you go to find moths in the wild in New Zealand apart from your outside lights? <laughs> yes, probably one of the most um, easy spots to, to find them. Yeah, I mean they're everywhere. Um, you can find them on the very high um, alpine areas uh, where some of the little caterpillars just live on the small mosses and lichens um, or in um, crevices of, um, of rocks where there's bits of um, vegetation in there as well. You can go along coastal areas. Some of our coastal moths um, occur in very small patches of, of, of plants. Um, that's, the, that's the biggest worry about a lot of these moths is that because of they have those, you know, such specific host plants, if those host plants disappear, that species disappears as well. So that's one of the, um, the concerns we're looking at, um, the loss of species through land use changes and climate change. Um, what, what rate of loss are we going to see potentially with these species? So, yeah, coastal areas, mountain areas, of course, your back, um, backyard porch, um, different, different parts of the country have different moths that occur there. Sometimes we see different, um, within a species you can see slightly different changes depending on, in, the, in the population depending on where they live in the country as well. So all those things are teased apart by um, people called taxonomists who um, work on describing the different species of, of moth in, um, in New Zealand. And, yeah, at the moment I think we're up to about... Uh, 17,000 described species in the country. Gee, the collection's been described as a big story for science. So why really is that? Yeah, well, that's, that's because of the, the resource that it plays. So it's a, it's a, long, it's a, it's a resource that has um, a lot of weighting around um, southern New Zealand. So a lot of the collecting happens around the country, but Brian's collection looks specifically at, um, well, quite heavily at, at southern New Zealand. But it's, it's the fact that we just don't have so many of these, um, these citizen scientists out there collecting and looking at, um, at, at specific species and specific groups. 
And so the the value of this collection in its size and in the extra data that Brian collects when he does this work, he doesn't he's not collecting every single butterfly that he or moth that he encounters, but he does collect abundance data. So when he's out there with his lamps looking at moths, he records how many of a certain species that he recognises has occurred there as well. And so we get an idea of what the, the, the most popular species are in those environments as well. And with more data, we have a better understand, we can get a better understanding of how these ecosystems are operating and what they're doing and how that might change over time. Now, I understand the public can access the collection on request. Do you get many requests? We get lots of different requests at the museum, yep. We get uh, for all sorts of different animals and, and uh, geology collections and botany stuff as well. Um, yeah, so people can put in a request for um, access to the collection. Um, the, the benefit of this collection will mostly be for research, but we do also have um, artists who visit the collection on occasion to look at different specimens when they're working on their their different pieces. Um, one of the oddest requests we've had was a, um, what was most interesting was a, um, a request to come and measure some of the taxidermy uh, birds to see what the, um, the spacing was between the eyes to build falconry hoods. So they were looking at the hawks and the um, and the falcons that we had in the collection. So we had all, oh. all sorts of questions. Gee. And there's some interesting research happening at the museum, and this collection will help, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the big part, big role of museums with these types of collections as well is to try and communicate to people that the, the sheer um, uh, value and also the, um, the diversity of life on, on, on the planet as well. So, you know, people just sort of, we want people to, to not just look at moths and go, oh, yuck, brown moths. We want them to go, actually, all these animals have different roles to play in our ecosystem and have a value um, in the world and, um, and appreciate them. You know, find your favourite moth, um, value the ones that you see outside, don't just kind of, you know, <laughs> swap them away with a can of spy prey and stuff like that. They all have a, all have a right to sort of be on the planet. So, um, yeah, value, value the natural world. Yeah, and a couple of texts have come through. Moths are so prevalent in New Zealand because our native trees are more active at night. And another one, in the 80s in Nelson, on the gum trees were large brown moths, light green caterpillar with bright coloured tufts. Love seeing them yeah. as a child. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I had the same experience as a child with the, the emperor gum moths. Um, I remember um, keeping them in little terrariums as a kid and watching them get bigger and bigger and bigger and then... Um, then going off um, back to school and um, them emerging and scaring the, the bejesus out of my dad, thinking there was a bird in the house. <laughs> that, that big. <laughs> oh. Emma, fascinating. And a uh, big thank you to... Tell us again the person who made the donation. It's Brian Patrick, and he's had a, an amazing role in the, in, the, um, in the world of entomology in New Zealand. It's actually thanks to him that we've got the, um, the declana uh, moth on the $100 bill as well. So next time you happen to see one of those, if you're lucky enough, um, you can thank Brian for that. Wonderful. So a great collection, 50,000 moths and butterflies donated to Otago Museum. Emma, thank you for joining us this evening and enlightening us. No problem. All right. Thank you. Emma Burns, she is the Otago Museum's Curator of Natural Science.